Life Saving Gratitude Podcast. I'm Bunny Terry, and I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Johanna Medina. And our guest today is Michael B. Harris. And he um, wrote, a, wrote a book that I found really fascinating. It's called Falling Down, Getting Up. And um, I know that a lot of our listeners, like me, are avid readers. I would suggest this, but I'd also suggest just take a listen. Michael is a guy who's done a lot in his lifetime. He calls himself, he said that he thought he might at some point um, have a diagnosis of perhaps a some sort of attention disorder, but he said, I prefer to say that I'm just passionately diverse. He's interested in everything. He is a lover of many different thoughts and activities. He's a yoga master. And he's also really a proponent of what he calls micro gratitude, which was a pretty interesting concept, wasn't it? Yes, definitely a perfect fit for this podcast. And, you know, Michael has just great energy, but I, I really liked, I really loved hearing his definition and his thoughts around micro gratitude and kind of how he um, defined that and how he kind of discovered it in his own life. And I just think that's something we could all do. We talk about gratitude on so many levels on this podcast in our lives um, from, you know, gratitude practice to just uh, like just gratitude for the big things and little things. So hearing is another way to have gratitude and incorporate it into our lives is, is amazing. And, um, you know, Michael is a true, uh, what word are I trying to, I guess like the true definition too of, of, of life-saving gratitude because he did have a, um, near-death experience and, a, a lot of medical kind of issues early in life and, and gratitude helped him through that. And he continues to, to have gratitude. And I, you could just tell talking to him and, and seeing him that he's a very joyful person and gratitude is a big part of that. He really is joyous. That's, that's one of the things I kept thinking while we were talking to him. And I would, I would remind people that um, if you're listening to this podcast, you can also find some of the video recordings on YouTube. And so, um, you know, at some point, I, and I, you know, we're kind of in the new stages of uploading these onto YouTube, but Michael Harris is a fun guy to watch, I think. He's because he is so joyous. So um, if it ends up on YouTube, be sure to go and take a look because this guy is having some fun with his life. He's He is all about success and he's about... Um, how stories, just like we believe stories save us. And he is all about um, how gratitude really changed his life. He's a great guest. So thank you for checking in. Thank you for downloading, for subscribing, for doing all the stuff you do with podcasts. Thank you, especially for doing it with us. We just found out today that we're, you know, because we're a mother daughter team, we're, we're, sort of unique in the world of podcasts. So please I guess, yeah. <laughs> let our friends know, let your friends know about us. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you so much. Our guest today is Michael Harris. And um, when, when we talk, when we get information about guests, we get a lot of 
just a general bio, but I love this. Michael wrote a book. Uh, it's a number one best-selling book called Falling Down and Getting Up. And the foreword was by somebody that I read all the time, um, the the author and father of guerrilla marketing, Jay Conrad Levinson. And, and Jay said that Michael's ability to survive through thick and thin is a true example of an entrepreneur using guerrilla type tactics to overcome virtually anything. Like, wow, what a great forward written by somebody who's really amazing in the marketing fit. Well, just, just as a human being, but so, so I'm dying to hear your story, Michael. I want to, um, you know, when I hear what falling down and getting up, it means in your life, you, you, we've, we had a brief little conversation before we began about gratitude. And I, just, I'd love for my our listeners to hear your story. And thank you for being here. Absolutely. It, it, Bunny, I really appreciate uh, being on your show. And we hooked up through something called Podmatch, which is like match.com for podcast host and guest. And when I, when I saw your show and, you know, I immediately knew I needed to be on it, you know, life-saving gratitude. And it's something that, that means so much to me. And I want to, want to give a brief shout out to, to Jay Levinson as well. Uh, when I sent him a copy of the manuscript, I did not know him beforehand, but I was able to get it to him. And he told me that he read the book twice in one day, the, the manuscript that I sent him. And he wrote what, what you mentioned about the, the idea that the book is really about overcoming adversity and really taking that guerrilla tactics, which the guerrilla tactics in the sense of what Jay talks about are really simple, straightforward ways to do things. And so I learned a lot from him, you know, as, as we connected and, and before he passed. Um, and he, he's a great man. So I just wanted to shout out, um, you know, Jay's contribution to the, the book and such. The, the book really starts out, it was without getting into every detail and nook and cranny of the book. In 1971, I was junior champion at Portland Golf Club. You know, I was a hotshot golfer at 12 years old, and I was a hotshot water skier as well. And a couple of weeks after, after winning the club championship, I was water skiing and I was attempting a beach landing, which I had done many times before and got whipped into the, the beach at a higher speed than what I would normally hit the beach. Cause by the time you hit the beach, you want to be slowing down and I was still speeding up. So I was going pretty good and I went head over heels on, on the beach. I didn't have any, um, apparent injuries. I didn't like, I wasn't punctured at the time or, or anything like that, but I ended up in, in the hospital the, the next day and waking up about 10 days later, um, from a coma and they had removed 60% of my liver, my gallbladder, cracked ribs, collapsed lung and a coma. And during that period of time and from the, the best that I could understand it at the time, before I came back to my, to awakeness, I had left my body at a near death experience and they were uh, resuscitating me when, when I came back. And I was in the midst of spirits and I didn't want to come back. 
I wanted to stay right where I was because it just was like this over-encompassing feeling of love and joy. And I reached out and I said, I don't want to go back. And then the spirit said, it's time for you to go back. You're not through yet. Well, Bunny, that was 51 years ago. I, I don't know when I'm through yet. I, I thought maybe they thought, you know, mentioned a couple of years or something. They didn't say 50 plus years later, you know, so maybe I have 50 more years. I, I, I don't know. As I mentioned to you briefly before, um, I, I got really mad at God for sending me back. I did not want to come back. Now, some people with near-death experiences, they immediately feel this sense of joy and sensation in life and everything. I didn't. And I went through a period of drinking too much because the people that I was hanging out with accepted me for who I was. I was not accepting myself very well for who I was. I had really low self-esteem. I didn't think people would like me. I had scars on my body from the surgeries, all of that stuff. So I really struggled for a long time. Then at one point, I, I it was 27 years old. I had blocked arteries in both my legs. They were going to cut off my right leg and my left leg. My right leg was 100% blocked. My left leg was 65% blocked. And I had what's called a FEMPOP, which is bypass surgery on your legs, and restored the blood flow. They wanted to do it again a few months later. And I used a few um, of those words that you normally don't say in public and told them that they weren't going to do that. And I left the hospital against medical advice on a cane. I, I was below rock bottom, right? I, I ended up at a rehabilitation center called Pritikin Longevity Center in 1987 in Santa Monica, California on the boardwalk. And where the doctors, and I'll, I'll pause here in a moment, the doctors at in Portland that had worked on me, the professor, assistant professor at OHSU said, when it starts hurting, stop walking. When the doctor down at the Pritikin Center, when I talked to him, he said, when it starts hurting, start walking. So he says, you have to walk through the pain. You have to learn to walk through the pain because what it's doing, it's giving, giving signals to the brain that you're not getting enough blood in your legs. And then the brain sends signals back to your legs to start building new blood vessels, collateral blood vessels. And so that process, within about two weeks, I went from walking about 10 feet, literally walking 10 feet with a cane, to walking two miles without a cane up and down the boardwalk. At 27? At 27. Gratitude really started sinking in. <laughs> How was that? I mean, did you recognize that it was gratitude? Or, you know, because we talk a lot about, you know, gratitude practice. and Or was it just kind of like a you know, second nature, like a natural thing that you just started and was, okay, I'm grateful for being able to walk or how did that, how did that process work for you? It, it was more than the normal sense of what I'll call the normal level of gratitude. I mean, it was really deep gratitude that um, I was now stronger again. I was coming back to life, so to speak. I never wanted to die. I always wanted to live through everything 
and all the struggles that I, I went through. You know, some people don't want to live and they go to a place of suicide. I never felt that. Um, although I was angry, I was angry at God for a long time and angry at life. I was able to change that anger, to release that anger, to let it go. And, you know, not being able to walk at 27 years old when you think you're an immortal man and then being able to walk and starting to do the things that you love again is huge. Well, and it seems like I, 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 what, I think what, what I understand Johanna was asking is sometimes we find ourselves in these really dark places and we don't consciously realize that we're starting to be not, not just not starting to be aware of an improvement in our life, but also starting to be aware that something outside of us. So, and I think I'm going to say this badly, but it's almost like you're not aware that you're feeling grateful. I mean, at the time that I had stage four cancer, I didn't get that I was being grateful every day, but, but, you know, my dad was telling me every day to write something down that, that I felt good about. And I thought it was only over time and that's what it sounds like with you is that you were you were happy to be walking, but it was over time that 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 became a, a continual process that led you to this incredible success you have now. Right. Am oh, I, it's been decades right? long, Bunny, you know, and it, it continues to evolve today. And my appreciation for life, my gratitude, I'm no longer angry at God. I haven't been angry for you know a long time. You know, um, I'm very happy with with my relationship with higher power and, and spirit and God. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tickled, you know, to, to say the least. And I'm comforted with the idea that everything's going to be OK. And, you know, when, when even when I look at like my both my parents passed quite a while ago. And my, my mom passed of ovarian cancer, my dad of heart disease and um I don't feel like when they passed that I lost. I mean, a lot of people consider when somebody's passed that, oh, I lost this particular person. My feeling is that they passed and they are now where I was when I had my near-death experience. And they're just ahead of me. It's like they bought the plane ticket to Hawaii before I did, right? And I feel my parents and other people that have passed in my life around me all, all the time, my grandparents and family and friends that, that, that have passed, um, are always here. That's so cool. I, I, and you, you've made a really big deal because I looked at your website and what you offer to people. You've, your story is really important, but you, you believe that everybody's story is important, right? I mean, you want to help people figure out how to tell their story? I, I believe everybody's story is important. My story and, you know, an, initially writing this book, Falling Down, Getting Up. I mean, it's been 10 years in July since this book was number one for the first time. And that's a whole nother story. Um, but I realized that my story, some people will pick it up and relate to it and some people won't. They, they won't like it. I mean, most of the feedback I get is that people like it. 
And you may write, write a book or somebody else might write a book and you're going to affect somebody else. But there's a couple of things that happen, I believe, when we write, especially these type of books, is that it allows us to get some of the issues out of our tissue, so to speak, that get stuck in our bodies, right, by, by releasing it and writing about it and telling about it. And whoever is reading it or listening to it also has the opportunity to, um, you know, have some experience around it or maybe re relate to what's happening. And, I mean, you, you mentioned about having stage four cancer and all of us have stories that can help each other. You know, thousands of years ago, whenever it was, when we first started, you know, caveman sitting around fires telling stories. You know, maybe the story was about the hunt of the dinosaur that day or the saber-toothed tiger for dinner, whatever it was, but they were telling stories. So since the beginning of time, we have told stories. We still sit around in circles, so to speak, and tell stories. We relate to each other. And I believe by doing that, we heal. So I have this passion to help as many people as possible to get their story out, to relate their story to other. Whether I'm, I'm working with, I'm working with several publisher, book publishers that are helping other people get their books and, and how to do that. I'm working with individuals with, we do a lot of stuff around helping people on podcasts. We have a strong relationship with Alex San Filippo, co-founder of Podmatch and Podmatch. And we do these podcast mastery challenges and, you know, it's just we, we have this passion, myself and, and the co-founder, we call it Endless Stages, Sean Tyler Foley. And so we have this real passion in helping get as many stories out as possible. And I'll add one more thing to that because I, I think it's important in today's world. There's so many people in today's world that are not given the opportunity to get their stories out because of their government or whatever. They're not even allowed to say certain words or they'll be thrown in jail for 15 years. And I believe those of us that are in a place that have the ability to tell our story, it's more important than ever to tell our story and to get as many people out there telling our stories and listening to each other's stories. I love listening to other podcasts and listening to other interviews of other people's stories. I do it all the time. So, you know, there's a lot of levels there. But again, coming back to that original idea, the more people I believe that we can help get stories out, the better. And it's like you, Bunny, in your podcast. I love the theme of the podcast about gratitude and life-saving gratitude. And from your experience, perhaps, you know, the podcast sprang out of that, you know, so telling that story. And it's just, it's a blessing to be able to do that. It is. And I, um, I, I think that there are a lot of people who say, um, you know, well, you wrote a book. It's really important that you wrote this book. Um, but I don't, my story is not important. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're, you're the only person who has your story. I think it's, I think it's hard for people to get that anytime they can share what they've learned, I mean, I think that's true leadership is when you get to the point where you feel free to share what you've learned, not because not because you've 
not because you have these grandiose ideas, but because you know it's going to help somebody else and make a huge difference. And 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 I agree with you that everybody's voice is important. Um, I I I also saw that you work on helping people overcome resistance to speaking. Mm-hmm in front of others. And I, and, and I don't get that because I'll talk to anybody and I'll get up on stage and talk to anybody about, you know, give me the microphone. I can't wait. But, but, you know, like Johanna hates that. I, I'm curious, how do you empower people, not just to, to know their story and to write their story, but I'm curious if you have any tips, um, I know a lot of people would get on stage and say, I'm not grateful for the opportunity to stand here. So I'm curious how you help your clients figure out how to get more comfortable with telling their story, especially in a public yeah. setting. Yeah. Johanna, I have a question for you. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> were, were you ever in, were you ever in second or third grade? Uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when you were in grade school, did you ever have show and tell time? I know I did. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I did. Mm-hmm. And so you would get get up in front of the room and tell a little story about something. Mm-hmm. About what, whatever it might have been, what you did on vacation yeah. or you found a cool little rock by the river, whatever it was that, that happened back right. then, right? Yeah. At that moment, you became a public speaker. <laughs> yeah. Well, right? Well, yeah. So we, we were learning how to do public speaking as little kids and not even realizing it. Mm-hmm. So those skills that we might not think that we have as adults to like get up on stage or that fear of getting up on stage, we started developing as kids. So one of the things, I mean, there, there are several different things here, Bunny, that, you know, go along with this. And that ability is there already. You already know how to get up in front of a room of people and tell a story. You have those skills. It's tapping back into them and recognizing that you already have everything you need to be an outrageous speaker, just like your mom. Well, it's not unusual for many people to have you know, that fear of public speaking or that idea of fear of public speaking. And one of the, the things that I recommend, and I've gone through this too, and like what I heard you say earlier, Bunny, about writing the story, about not believing that that's necessarily a valid story, so to speak. You didn't use the word valid. You used some different words. But um, we all have that story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, One of the things I recognize, and there, there's a storytelling process that, that we use. It's really based on the what the entertainment industry does to help create some stories. But I went back into my life to identify some stories, and I went back and I realized that at six years old, I had my first entrepreneurial journey. And that entrepreneurial I want to hear about that, yes. Well, that, that was the, the BlackBerry, being a BlackBerry entrepreneur. We had a bunch of BlackBerries on our property where, where I grew up. And I'd go back and I'd pick all the BlackBerries and my mom would, would make BlackBerry pie for me and all the kids in the neighborhood. They'd all come over because Mrs. Harris had the best BlackBerry pie in the world, right? 
And so one day, my dad was an entrepreneur. He owned several businesses, and he always said, find something somebody wants to buy and sell it to them. Everybody wanted the pies. So I made a deal with mom. I said, I'll pick the, the, the berries. You make the pies. I'll go around the neighborhood and sell the pies in the neighborhood. You know, and I'm convinced the Girl Scouts got this particular idea from me because, you know, the Girl Scouts <laughs> suggest when you sell cookies, right? You don't ask whether or not you want to buy a box of cookie. You ask how many you want to buy, right? So I, I was doing that back in the 60s, going around the neighborhood asking how many do you want to buy? I would get 50 cents. Mom would get 50 cents because we sold them for a buck for, you know, initially. I would take my money. I'd go to the lo local Rexall drugstore and buy my um, comic books and candy. You know, that's what I wanted to do. You know, so we, we all have stories and it's identifying some of those stories in our life that we can tell. I can tell the story of falling down, getting up. But I can also tell the, the fun story about being six years old and have my first entrepreneurial journey. Well, and I think you also. I want. I also want you to tell talk to folks about. I mean, we always want our listeners to go away with really concrete tips about how to integrate. And we talk about story a lot. We talk about story, mm -hmm. and we talk about gratitude. But I always want people to go away with great tips on how to integrate both of those things into their life. Mm -hmm. And you bring up the, you bring up the idea of micro gratitude mm -hmm. and, and how it's a way to figure out that we're all really deeply connected. I, I'd love for you to share that with our listeners and, and more with me. I'm, I'm learning every day. That's one of my hashtags. Sure. <laughs> what, what learning more every day. That's a hashtag. Learn Learning, learning every day. I've just started using it because it feels like, I, you know, we're so I had this client the other day who said to me, Bunny, for most people, life is either drudgery or discovery. And I was mm, like, what? Mm -hmm. I have to write that down because yeah. we're in I mean, we're all in the process of discovering. And so yeah. I'm learning every day. But I want to hear about micro gratitude. I'm really interested in that. I don't know where this first started with me some time ago in decades, I'll say, you know, maybe 20 years ago. You know, I was taking a look at, I, I was actually sitting there having a bowl of cereal and I was by myself and I'm thinking, I wonder how many people it took to get this bowl of cereal into my hands. And it's easily a thousand different people, right? Somebody drove the truck from the field where the grain was grown to the silo, to the manufacturer, to the grocery store. Somebody, a graphic artist designed the cover. Somebody trained that graphic artist to be a graphic artist to do that cover. There was somebody at a bank that financed the whole thing. There was somebody that made the tires. There was somebody that grew the rubber for the tires. There was somebody that did the metal for the bolts. I mean, you can really go down this rabbit hole a long way, so to speak. 
this, this, this idea of gratitude. So when I sit there today with the bowl of cereal, I say a thousand, but maybe it took 10,000 people to make that bowl of cereal possible. And I really realized how connected we all are in the world. And that's just the bowl of cereal, let alone anything else. You know, even just the process of, of putting a book together, the thousands of people that on some level were involved in, the, in that. And so I realized that, you know, maybe there is somebody in Ohio, in Brazil, in China, I don't know, wherever in the world that contributed to that bowl of cereal. Somebody grew those strawberries that I put on top. Somebody created those little sticky labels, which I don't particularly like, but those little sticky produce <laughs> labels on bananas. So I could swipe it at the grocery store to bring it home and eat it. Right? So we are just so connected. And one of the things that I appreciate over the last couple of years of COVID, as much as it's all affected our lives in so many different ways, it's also brought us together. We never Zoomed this much before. I can, you know, every day I'm on Zoom a couple of times a day with people from all over the world, India, Canada, Europe, all over the United States, everywhere. So I feel more connected with people in the world as a result of the COVID epidemic than I, than I did before or even knew before. I know so many more people. So again, I mean, this, this idea of micro gratitude, there's somebody made this microphone right here for me to talk into so we could talk about gratitude. It takes a lot of mindfulness too, to sit and just recognize, you know, instead of just going throughout your day, like, oh, I'm just going to get my bowl of cereal and eat it and not really think about it more, but just to actually take that time to think about each step in your day and ha and the people that were involved in those steps, that's, I think the more and more we talk to people, we find that a lot of gra gratitude and mindfulness are very connected. And it's, you know, it's all good for us, all good for our brains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll add one other thing briefly, you know, as a result of the problems that I had with my legs in the 80s, I also started practicing yoga. So I've been practicing yoga for 35 years now. I've been teaching for almost 30 years. I've owned yoga studios. I've helped yoga studios all over the world. I've trained maybe 7,000 yoga teachers. Um, I'm teaching this afternoon because of our other teacher, which has uh, came down with COVID today. So I got to jump in and, and teach the class today at 430. Um, and the yoga has really brought that additional awareness to my life and the, the gratitude, um, and it's a way, that I don't really make much money at it, but it doesn't matter because it's one of the ways that I can continue to give back. And I'm always talking about gratitude in class. So, so this is like, even today, Bunny, I cannot tell you that this was such appropriate timing for to be on a show called Life Saving Gratitude. You know, just the, the next couple of days. I got to jump in today. I got to help somebody on Sunday. I'm doing a workshop all day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, just like, I mean, I could go on and on, but it's just like, oh, and I get to talk about gratitude with Bunny. And her daughter 
Johanna. <laughs> well, and it sounds it sounds like I mean when you were twenty seven and you were taking walking two miles instead of ten steps that that gratitude was a piece of what saved your life. I mean, certainly when I was sick, I there were a lot of doctors and you know there were a lot some chemicals and well, we've talked about a lot of different things, but there were a couple of notes that I. I really wanted to ask you a couple of questions. I want to know um, how you how, you say every year you do a 10K that starts at 7,700 feet that ends at 9,800. I, I can't leave that question alone. I really know. I want to know why. I want to know what it yeah. is. Yeah, it, it's a great question. Um, yeah, it's called the Steens Rim Run, and it's in Southeast Oregon in the Steens Mountains, which is fairly remote outside of Burns, Oregon. And a friend of mine has been doing it for, I don't know, maybe 15 years, uh, pretty much every single year. And when he mentioned it to me, it was just like, yes, I've got to do that. Yeah, it starts at 7,700, finishes at 9,800. It's a 10K. And this comes back to that that whole idea of, of walking up and down that boardwalk in Santa Monica so many times. It's just like... You know, I can now go straight up. There's a couple of spots for about 100 feet where it's down, but it's pretty much straight up the whole way up. And to be able to, be able to do this run, you know, it's been 35, 36 years since my surgery on my legs. The doctor said I would be dead within six months if I left the hospital. And I've still got my legs. And I'm extremely um, grateful, happy, pleased, delighted, excited, ecstatic to still have my legs and to still have my life. So it's really one of the ways that I'm able to celebrate that I'm still here, that I'm still alive, that we can overcome things as well. You know, it's just like, you know, my gosh, how did I live through these things? You know, and if I'm not through yet, which they told me in 71 that I'm not through yet, well, they're right. I'm not through yet. I'm going to keep going out as much as I can. Yeah. And I, it sounds like I you've gotta, done a lot with the with the life, that you know, extra life you were given. As much as I can. This reminds me... Um, Michael, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago who was in an accident. Um, Sandra Claymore. She had been um, she had been invited to go to work at the White House as a student, as a graduate student in Berkeley, to work on community health systems. And she had gone to celebrate in the up at a restaurant up in the Redwoods. And the guy who was driving the car that took her to dinner they had a wreck and she ended up mm -hmm. in the hospital, went through the windshield. She had a wreck and was told at the rehab center that she would never walk again. And she is, is one of my dearest friends, but she became a healer. She is a part mm -hmm. Lakota Sioux and mm -hmm. she, she does healing ceremonies and Eagle dances along with, you know, being a mortgage broker. She's very, she's like you, she's a, she's a jack of all trades, but she, um, the stories to me really kind of intersect. It's like I got in this place where people told me I wasn't going to survive and I wasn't going to thrive. And in fact, 
you had a near-death experience and mm-hmm. and instead you came you both came back to change mm-hmm. the lives of thousands of other people so you talk about micro gratitude i mean think about all those people out there who all those seven thousand people that you train to be yoga masters or mm-hmm. i mean i'm it gives me goosebumps to think of the ways that the two of you have helped to heal and save and tell the stories of so many other people i i'm so excited this is such <laughs> a great conversation to have with you today well i would add in bunny that you're right there. You're doing it too with your story. And by bringing other people's stories to the world, you're doing the same thing. You're helping to heal other people too, both you and your, your daughter. I mean, that that's huge. I've never been on a mother daughter show, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know we were an anomaly, but we keep hearing that. So <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful one. It's a good one. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It was a natural progression because Johanna was my caregiver when I was six. So Mm -hmm. um, it, it, I, I really, Michael, this has been so much fun and I'd really like to have you come back and I'd really like to do the business side of it. You know, we've talked about stories and about Mm -hmm. surviving, overcoming things and, and speaking, but I think, you know, there are the things where we could, you know, we can talk about, um, success and business and you know like i'm dying to know like what is practicing and teaching yoga taught you about business but we don't have time to talk about that so if you could come back and in a month or so it'd be so much fun to talk about that piece of it because it sounds like you've really got expertise i i I would love to do that and i haven't done this yet but when when jay was alive he really encouraged me to write a book. And we were talking actually about doing a guerrilla marketing book together about how yoga can teach us all the principles we need to know about life and about business. I just haven't done it yet. It's a book still inside of me. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about quantum leaps because I'm a big believer uh, in quantum leaps. So yeah. let's get back together. But I just want to say for today, I am not micro grateful. I am like macro <laughs> huge grateful that you came to us as a guest. Well, this is wonderful. And I, again, I, I too appreciate being on your show and in any time that I can be on, on any podcast and being able to talk about life and gratitude and the blessings that we have, especially in today's world where so much is happening. It's easy to forget about how much we do have and that no matter what happens, everything's going to be okay, no matter what. So thank you, Bunny, and thank you, Johanna, for having me here on, on your show. That's all we've got today, friends. I want to thank you for joining the Life Saving Gratitude podcast with your host, Bunny Terry. That's me and my producer and assistant, Johanna Medina. We feel like we're in the business of sharing the stories that save us. And we hope you'll share as well by letting your friends and family know about the podcast. Follow and like us wherever you listen. And please take the time to leave a review. Whether it's a stellar comment or a suggestion, we are open to suggestions all the time. Also, follow us on Instagram at lifesavinggratitudepod.com. You can also follow me personally at Bunny Terry Santa Fe. You can sign up at my website at bunnyterry.com to receive weekly emails about how to become the ultimate gratitude nerd. Thanks so much for checking in. <laughs>